Welcome to episode 56 of Dealer Process Secrets Podcast. Extremely excited to be here with both my co-hosts today, Brian Steele and Sterling Brown. What's happening, guys? How are you? What's going on? All right. So today, I think we're going to continue improving the lives inside the dealership, and we're going to do leadership in hiring. And I've talked about this quite a bit, but I just... I can't talk about this one enough. This is like my split deals thing. Um, It's just so important and it's so off. Uh, So I'll get this one started. Uh, How are you hiring people? And I'm writing a, this might end up into a whole chapter. So I mean, inside my second book, but it's like, how are you hiring people? Are you telling people, and I know not all dealerships are doing this, but it's, more are than not, which is like recruiting with the money, you know, oh, you can make 12 grand. Uh, you're going to make, look at this guy. He makes so much money and he's an idiot. You know, you can do it too. And it's, oh, you're going to make all this money. And, you know, and you we're not really setting them up for what they're really getting into. And what's crazy is, uh, and I'm going to tell a story here that I remember while I started, when I started writing about this. So if you read my second book this might be in there it's not out yet but um what's i remember i got hired at a toyota dealership and i think this is actually in my first it is in my first book but i'm going to go more into it in my second book i got hired at a toyota dealership and i got hired at the ritz carlton in the exact same day and i talked to my mom i was 19 years old and my mom was like do the ritz carlton and dude i didn't just listen to my mom um, not at all. That's not my history. Read the second book. I go into it a little bit. I'm going to go into it a little bit deeper, but, uh, I did just, I did decide to do the Ritz Carlton job. And I remembered, and this is recent, I pulled this out of my memory recently. Like, why did I not do the Toyota job? Cause, and I had to really sit there and think about it because they had showed me this kid that was like 20. So he was like a year older than me. They're like, he's been here a year and he made $120,000. When I think back when I was that kid and I really think about it, cause I like to think of myself, I've been money motivated for a long time and I was money motivated, but I don't think it sounded realistic to me at the time. Now you give me like any amount of money. And I, I think, and you say, you think you can make that. I'm not going to tell you, you can't. Uh, that's just the way that I think. But, but at that age, at 19 years old, for whatever reason, um, I don't know if it sounded realistic to me. And that was all they were telling me. And I started thinking, like, if they had been telling me things more like, you know, you can learn a lot working here. You're going to improve your people skills working here. You're going to improve as a human being just in general working here. Uh, things like that, right? Like uh, personal building things, if I would have been more intrigued uh, to actually do it. And I'd always wanted to sell cars. And then also maybe there was some of that disbelief around because I had, I had said, I wanted to do that before. And people had been like, Oh, that's really hard. Or, you know, Oh, that's a tough business and things like that. And um, at, there was a certain point where I just wanted to do it. And I was, I probably heard those things at a 10 X rate when I had decided I wanted to do it and did it at 21. But just hiring people just based off of the money is wrong. That that I know, and you're recruiting extremely improperly. Uh, you're much better off actually mentioning the negative first in the hiring. 
aspect, especially in an interview setting. I'm, and this is how I used to do it. And I would be like, you know, you need to work a lot. You're going to work more than you ever worked. If you're, if it's a young kid, you're going to work more than any of your friends work. Can you make tons of money? Yes. But I'm going to go into, into with you. And most people wouldn't do this is what I would actually tell them. I said, most people won't do this. If you go to other dealerships, you're hired for other dealerships. I'm going to tell you what it actually takes to be a top producer. And if I had my top producer, I'll bring my top producer in and say, Hey, when you first started, how did you get to what you're doing right now? And have them tell, actually walk them through. Oh, well, now I actually, you know, I take two days a week off, but when I started, I didn't. Right. So you're setting the stage with realistic and true, uh, you know, what this job is going to look like. Cause we hire these guys. Oh, you're gonna make 120,000 a year. We hire them. We put them through the process. If you guys tell me if you guys have never seen this happen, you put the person through the process, they work one Saturday and they're like, dude, you didn't tell me I'm, I'm going to have to be at the meeting at eight in the morning and be here until 10 at night. Have any of you guys ever seen that happen? Oh yeah. How many, I mean, that, that's common, right? It's like, yeah. So, so if that's happening, obviously we're not, we're just telling them what a top producer's results look like. We're not telling them what it actually takes to be a top producer. Yeah. I think you're, you're framing it right. Like it's a lot about managing expectations, managing expectations, managing commitments. And I think, you know, it's all in the presentation, right? We say that in sales. I think it's really important to frame the right expectations and the right commitments out of them before you hire them. I wouldn't even get the commitment. I would just, because usually if I was interviewing somebody, they would already want the job, right? So they would have already shown usually. And, and even so when they hadn't, and I had said, Hey, you need to do this. It was because I'd seen them doing something else. And I pushed them in, pulled them in, got them in, and then brought them into an office, but I was still real with them saying, Hey, when you first start, you're going to have to work. And my, I, this is in my first book. Uh, my go-to is basically like work and it's probably going to be around the three week mark, work all your days off your first three weeks until you really need a day off just to go home and sleep. And that's what you need to do when you first start out. And I think most successful people, if you talk to them in this business, they did that because like me, their lights were out at home or they were going through a divorce. I mean, all different kinds of things. That stuff is funny. I mean, one of the best hires is a guy that literally just got off a divorce, right? And he wants to sell cars. I mean, it's it's just reality, right? So um, a lot of different, you know, or they just quit alcohol. I think I've said this before. It's funny, but it's true, um, you know, because that person basically wants to find a new life. They want to get away from whatever they were doing. So they just dive in. And when you just dive into the car business and you've got that type of time and you dedicate it now, you don't need to do that forever. But those are the guys that I think most of us that end up in this business for decades did that at one point or another. Uh, and we did that because, you know, we needed money or, it was one of those big ones that I was just talking about divorce, alcoholism or something like that. But for me, it was just, you know, I had no money. I was a kid and I, I got really hungry. I wanted to improve my life and I wanted money. <clears throat> that was it for me. Um, yeah, I was, I was just a broke 23 year old when I got in the business and it was all about, you know, I, what I was doing up to that point sucked and I wanted to really learn a trade. 
I loved that I, I had come from cooking. So it was awesome because I had gotten a great work ethic doing that. Uh, and I had been promoted and I, you know, I'd worked inside a pretty cool leadership structure, Ritz Carlton Marriott. And, uh, you know, the, the coolest thing about transferring over to me was when I worked hard at Marriott at the end, I still made $14 and 50 cents an hour. And the guy next to me making $17 an hour, cause he'd been there five years for more than me taking five times the breaks I was taking, not working as hard and slacking off was still making $3 more than me every hour, no matter how hard I worked that, that, when I went from that to the car business, that never added up for me personally again. And this is one of those things we're talking leadership and hiring. When you're talking about an interview, there's different personalities of people. There's, there's personalities of people that can't ever see how they could possibly work on commission. And then there's people that get used to it. And there's so many good quality people out there that if you can get them over that hurdle of just that, and that's that red flag is almost instantaneous in the interviews. If you've done enough, enough uh, hiring interviews for sales, there's some people that just can't get over the working on commission. I mean, to the point where like, they'll go take a job making four grand a month versus you being like, Hey, I'm going to give you a five grand draw, but it's commission that goes against the draw. They're like, no, I think I'll take the four grand. It's safer or something. I don't, I, that it doesn't click. It doesn't calculate with me. I'm a hundred percent car guy through and through, I guess that never added up with me. Um, but that's a good thing to talk about, uh, when you're, when you are interviewing, when you are recruiting, that's real. Like, Hey, you work really hard at your job. I saw you work really hard at your job. Well, the cool thing about car sales is if you work really hard, you're going to make five times as much as the guy that's not working hard. Versus, you know, where I was, I was working twice as hard as the guy making $3 more than me. Right. So that, and I think that clicks across the board for people that are in our business. Anybody in our business listening gets that. Um, However, they came across that. Thank your, you know, thank the heavens for that one. Thank God for that one. Because um, there's so many people out there that are super talented that just don't want to do the business because they're afraid uh, of that, that commission, they've been, um, they've been blocked out about that. So talking about leadership and hiring, what I honestly did with those candidates is I would try to penetrate it, but I know how impenetrable it is. It's almost like talking politics with people opposite of you. Um, it's right up that alley. It's the same thing. Um, it's the same response you get. And I know you can feel like, Oh man, I know this guy would be so awesome, but the guy just doesn't get the commission thing. It's almost a waste um, because they won't get it. And the thing about our business is you're probably, look, if I went and took a sales job tomorrow, I might make me, right? I might make three, four, five grand as a salesman, right? Now, my second or third month, I might make 15. But so when you're talking about this guy that goes into the business that that doesn't understand the commission, he's going to judge it on that first month or that second month, and he's not going to push harder. It just doesn't work. You guys agree with what I'm saying or have more on what I'm saying? Because this is actually important. I think it's I think it's good to identify a good work ethic and that they can, you know, believe in themselves to to do commission work. I think it's do you, good. Do you know to what I'm talking about that. though? How, how many people have you interviewed where like they just don't understand the commission thing and you can tell they're they're a good candidate, but once they understand the commission thing, they're just like they can't wrap their heads around it. And they can't wrap their heads around that pushing. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. 
Yeah, very, 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 very common. And I, I would try to talk to them for a minute or two or three minutes. And then it's such a stubborn, um, in my opinion, it's a very stubborn uh, outlook and they're very stuck in their ways on it. That personality, that person that's thinking that way that I, I, I move on. I don't hire that person either. I think that makes a lot of sense. You're probably saving yourself and them some time. Um, you know, uh, the, the words peaceful divorce, um, you know, they apply in a personalized and then now sometimes they're being discussed in additional, uh, uh, you know, venues. But I think that if you can preempt that where it's not a divorce per se, but you're playing ahead and you're saying um, this this isn't necessarily um, the best fit. And uh, you can still create a relationship with that person because. There's nothing that's stopping them from either referring business to you, coming back and buying a car from you, motorcycle, RV, whatever it is in the future. But, um, you know, you the, the earlier you can realize that, the better off everybody's going to be. You can save everybody some time and uh, move on to a candidate that, you know, you can give them the proper leadership and use all these great hiring techniques we're discussing. Yeah, I've had really bad experience hiring those people. If yeah, you, you want you want to make it work tell. because they're good people, but yeah. you know it just is not is not the right thing. Because I have I have hired them, and every time it was almost a legitimate disaster. And so I mean, I smell that right off the bat. If they're not into the commission thing, it's all there's almost not much more room to discuss. Now that's why a lot of the times, un, I don't care if it's fortunately or unfortunately, it's reality. Uh, I love younger hires and. Uh, that's I can say this. I don't own a dealership, so no one can can sue me for anything, right? Um, I just I just consult because <laughs> I know you're not. You know you can't you can't hire based off of age, and I wouldn't hire based off of age. But I'm going to tell you, I love younger green pea hires, especially for the sales position. I also was one, so I'm probably very biased there. Uh, but I love them because you know, that two grand draw or whatever it is and the ability to just be like, okay, I'll try this and see if it works. I can work with that so much more than I can work with what we were just talking about. And look, if a guy gets the commission thing, I think everybody listening knows what I'm talking about. So I don't need to dive too far in the weeds on that. Um, but yeah, that younger hire man that, you know, he it, the risk of making two grand a month or three grand a month is actually okay um, you know, he's going to make that his first month and then you get to get him to make four five, six, seven, and, and you get him to make those numbers. And then he's, you know, he's all in it. He gets it, um, through experience and, and not having that initial fear of, uh, working on commission ingrained at some point or wherever that comes from. I think it's cultural. Uh, a lot of people are just afraid of sales. They're also afraid of working on commission. Uh, but back to painting that picture and telling them what it's really going to look like. I love the, what am I, I never would miss an interview without telling them, Hey, if you want to be in this business and you want to be successful, the top guy right now, you might see him, you know, joking around. He might be making it look easy, but when you start off in the beginning, you need to come in because you don't understand what's going on. You need to be the first person on that list. The last person to leave and do it every day through your day off. I don't care what your schedule is. And this is what's crazy is it's, I don't even know if you can do this in California anymore. And I used to do it in California uh, because of the, uh, the wage law 
laws and in some other states now too. But this is this is as hard as it should go. And whatever your laws are, you could basically frame what I'm saying around this. And this is another discussion here. Uh, so our last episode was leadership and training. This is leadership and hiring. Uh, I don't know how you create a great car guy when you're hiring someone and only making them work 40 hours. Uh, because I, I mean, it's very unfortunate. The laws have been made this way in my, my opinion. Uh, you know, how do you, if you're going to go, okay, so I'm not going to pay any overtime. This guy has no pipeline, doesn't know the business. So I'm going to kick him out of the store after 40 hours. How is he ever going to learn and compete with a seasoned guy? So what that law, what that law actually does do is, is, is it, it helps the seasoned guy. Like if you're, if you're a, a, an old dog uh, out in California, like that law cut your, potential competition off. I mean, it really did. It, it, it's that's that made the barrier to enter into the car business extremely high. I mean, it's sad to an extent because I want to hire a brand new kid and be like, dude, work 80 hours and you're going to get it. And then you'll be working 50, 60 later, but you'll be selling 20, 30 cars and then you'll go into management. And yes, you're going to make six figures in this business if you do that. So, but how do you do that when you're kicking people out of your store after 40 hours drives, just thinking about it drives me up the wall. Personally, it's really upsetting. Yeah. That's what happens when legislators decide that they're businessmen and you know, the free market doesn't allow things to, you know, happen that should happen. It's raising the barrier of entry into a great business for, people with no skills. And this, that's another thing. So this is, this is what I really wanted to talk about because this is the biggest preparation and the greatest thing you can say to anybody. So if you're, if you've gotten over the commission barrier and you're doing an interview, um, the greatest thing you can possibly explain to people is that what you've actually learned. So if you're in this business and you're not down about it and I guarantee you that type of person would never listen to my podcast. It's going to be positive energy people that listen to this show, right? Uh, so they're, they, they realize what this business has done for them. I would say every listener of this show probably, or you wouldn't sit here on your free time listening to me talk about the car business, right? I think it's a pretty fair assumption, right? So think about all the good things that the car business has done for you. And that's what you want to tell a 1920, hell, a 40-year-old new hire that's been a nurse their entire life or whatever they've been doing, a teacher. I've done the, I've had those hires too. So those are great hires too. Don't get me wrong. I'm not just saying only hire young people. I'm just saying it's an easier mold when you kind of find it. But somebody that's been teaching their whole life, that's like past it, like, oh, I've seen people work on commission. I'm not afraid. I'm ready for it. I'm going to hustle. If that's what they tell you, I don't care what they used to do. Um, you know, maybe a couple exceptions. Not really. There are none. I've seen people from all facets of everywhere do great in our business um, and at every age. So what I said before is kind of funny and I'm not going back on this because of the laws. I, don't, I really, I'm not going to own a dealership. So um, I really don't care to tell it how it is and how I feel about it. I, I love young hires, uh, but that doesn't say I don't, I don't like an older hire that's been doing something else. I do. So, but one of the greatest things to tell them is, Hey man, the amount of stuff you're going to learn about people. And what's amazing is that teacher that I have hired, that nurse that I have hired, they do learn, you do learn more about people. Maybe nurses know quite about it, 
people in a certain aspect, but that financial aspect of buying the second most expensive thing you buy and the way people act around it, especially if you get in that finance office, um, you learn a ton about people. And then you're actually looking at their credit apps. So you know their entire financial situation. They can't lie to you. So you learn a lot about that. And you just learn a lot about sales. And sales is everything in life, in my opinion. Everything is a sale. Grant Cardone says that in a 100% agree with them. Uh, Everything in life is a sale. Uh, And if you can sell, uh, you'll never be broke, in my opinion, as long as you're not 100% lazy. I mean, if you can sell and learn how to sell. So this is the kind of thing, however that touches you and whatever you like to say about that, I wouldn't steal mine exactly. Whatever this business has done for you, Uh, that's what I would be talking to and applying and going inside my new hire's shoes and telling them that they can benefit. Not just you're going to make $120,000. That actually doesn't motivate everybody. And it's actually something that a lot of people like me when I was 18 years old was just like, is that all you have to tell me? I'm going to make $120,000. And it sounds kind of like winning the lottery. Yeah, I'm going to go cook, right? Yeah. Uh, so it like <clears throat> just saying you're going to make 